When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Hey, just two games in the NHL today. One of them already complete. The Lightning win again. 5-1 uh, over the Red Wings. Victor Hedman with a goal in that game. Braden Point got his fourth. The Lightning improved to 6-1-1 one one on the season. The Red Wings struggling 2-7-2. The other game about to start. Good matchup here. Bruins at 6-1 and 2 taking on the Flyers at 7-2 and 1. The Double E football team today signing Sean Lemon who's been a pretty good defensive lineman in the CFL. 107 games played in his career. He has 70 sacks and 22 forced fumbles. A guy who didn't like the Double E football team very much when he was a Calgary Stampeder. Dave Campbell will join us to discuss Lemon's addition and Almondo Sewell's departure later on in the show. I can also tell you the NHL announcing just a few minutes ago that as a result of five additional Minnesota Wild players being added to today's NHL's COVID protocol related absence list, the Wilds games postponed through at least February 9th, so almost a week. Several teams south of the border being affected. The New Jersey Devils, the hardest hit. They had, what, 14 players on the COVID list. The North Division, the All-Canadian Division, still rolling along without any problems. Hopefully it stays that way. Also, the Carolina Hurricanes say goaltender Peter Morazic has had surgery on his right thumb. He was knocked out of the game against Dallas on Saturday, hasn't played since, no timetable for his return. And the National Women's Hockey League has called off the remainder of its season as the playoffs were about to begin after more positive COVID test results. The NWHL cited safety concerns for what it called the suspension of play in Lake Placid, New York. Two of the league's six teams had already pulled out of the two-week event, which included an expansion team from Toronto. Some of your news and notes as we get you rolling with Inside Sports. Oilers off today. Next game coming up on Saturday at Calgary. First battle of Alberta this season. It's on 6.30. Chad, face-off show at 6.30, and the game will start at 8. The Oilers have even their record at 500. They've pulled up to 6-6. Six and six. They were able to take advantage of a struggling Ottawa Senators team to get a couple of victories and had that thriller against the Maple Leafs back on Saturday night. So a three-game winning streak and some new blood in the lineup last night. Evan Bouchard played his first game of the season. To me, a little bit surprising. It took 12 games to get him in. He had been playing in Sweden. He played 23 games in Sweden before Christmas. He looked pretty good throughout the abbreviated training camp. He has the skills that the Oilers need. Namely, he can shoot and he can pass. Yes, two very basic skills to hockey. He does that at a much better level than most of the Oilers defensemen. Yes, he's young. Yes, he's going to have to learn how to fend, handle pressure, and all those kind of things. Um, but, you know, this is a 21-year-old. This isn't an 18- or 19-year-old they're throwing in there who's never played pro hockey. Had a pretty good season last year with the Bakersfield Condors in the American Hockey League. So pretty good stats for him last night. If you like looking at those sorts of things, 
Bouchard played 1656. I was talking with John Shannon on the faceoff show last night. And John asked me, how many minutes do you think he's going to play? I said, I don't know, probably around 12 with 7D in the lineup. And John said, I think it's going to be under 10. Well, he basically plays 17, gets four shots on goal, has another four blocked, one more wide, had the assist, and he was plus one. Ken Holland, the general manager of the team, was on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer, and Stoff asked him about Bouchard. He puts the puck in the net. He's poised with the puck. He can he can pass. Um, he's a really good young defenseman. He's already going to be a really important part of uh, of where we go here going going forward. So yeah, I mean, la- I think last night was really good for for Tip to get to see him uh, firsthand. And uh, uh, the more depth we can have, the more competition we can have, the better our team is going to be. So uh, certainly looking forward to. Uh, Calgary on on Saturday and I'm sure he's I would expect and think that he's going to be in the lineup and um, hopefully he can continue to to grow but you know there's going to be some tough decisions on the back end I would expect and think he's going to be in the lineup as well I would certainly put him in now is Calgary at another level than the Ottawa Senators sure but right now every other team in the division is so I don't think you can only play Evan Bouchard against the Ottawa Senators. Do I necessarily think he has to be in every game? No, I don't. But I think the time for being overprotective, I I mean, look, there is sheltering players and there is putting them in positions to succeed. Absolutely. I I agree with that. And the Oilers as a franchise throughout much of the decade of darkness, they had a lot of instances where they were guilty of bringing along a player too quickly, simply because they didn't have anybody else. And they said, well, kid, Guess you're the best we got. Go in there, and you're going to have to play 22 minutes instead of just the 12 or 13 that you're ready for. So I get it. But again, he is 21. He's not 18 or 19. He got a little taste of the NHL in the fall after he was drafted. He's played minor pro, and he's been pretty good. And I think you can still put him in a situation where even if he's dressed for a game, you can shelter him a little bit in terms of the matchups and the ice times, especially if you go with seven defensemen again. That's the question I want to put out, by the way. 780-496-0063 is how you call in. What what would you do with the defense on Saturday? Would you go with 7D again? What if Bear is healthy? Who do you put in? Who do you do you know who do you take out if Bear is healthy and can play? Do you leave 7D or do you put Bear in? leave Bouchard in and take two guys out. And then that throws off the lefty-righty mix a little bit. I, I'm really curious about this because I, I would leave Bouchard in. If it's me, I, I'd be tempted to dress seven defensemen. I, I would be very tempted to dress seven defensemen again. I think up front, when they've dressed four lines of forwards, there's usually one player who gets lost in the shuffle a little bit anyway. You play Drysettle a lot. You play McDavid a lot. Nugent Hopkins usually plays quite a bit. So you can cycle, you know, certainly McDavid and Dreisaitl, maybe sometimes even Nugent Hopkins through with players in the bottom six to create a different fourth line every time you go along. So I'd be tempted to go 11 and 7 again, just in case, you know, maybe Bear has a tough night coming back, maybe Bouchard has a tough night, whoever. And, and I would take William Lagason out, who I think is, is fine as a depth player. He's been fine killing penalties. That doesn't do a lot for me five on five. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six six three. if you want to chime in on that. And Dave Tippett, the coach of the team, pretty impressed with Bouchard last night. Really solid, really solid. Um, you know, it's a... Uh... 
that's a tough thing for you to jump into a game like that. And, and you know, every game, these points are critical for us. So jump in, and uh, I think he was, I think he got 17 or 18, 19 minutes, something like that. But uh, I was really, really pleased with this game. He just smart and uh, got an assist on a real a good shot from the point and uh, just jumped in and, and didn't look out of place at all. So that's a real good sign for a young player. Really good sign. Didn't look out of place at all. Well said. Well said. And look, we, we, we've seen it, and I think it's always existed in the NHL. I, I think it's perhaps even more prevalent these days. you got to have some offense from the blue line, and you have to be able to transition the puck. The, the forwards in this league are faster and more skilled than ever and the Oilers have two of the best when it comes to high-end speed and skill, you got to get him the puck. Bouchard can do that. I mean, he can do that. E- even just having played eight NHL games, he can do that in terms of just pure passing of the puck probably better than anybody else except Tyson Berry, and we haven't seen Berry be great at it this year, though I'll give Berry credit. I've criticized him. I thought over the last four games he was much better, and it looks like he looks like he's starting to round into form a little bit. So I just think if you take Bouchard out, and I understand sometimes coaches don't want to put too much, you know, the coaches in general don't like young players, right, because they're never sure what they're going to get. They're not that proven commodity, so they keep putting the veterans out there over and over again. But Bouchard has an element that the other Oilers defensemen as a group really don't have. He increases the overall puck skills of that group. So even if he's on the ice 15 minutes, you got 15 minutes of better shooting and better puck skills. Like I said, nine shot attempts yesterday. Four shots on goal, four were blocked, one went wide. Nine shot attempts. That was the most on the team. I mean, obviously, it was the most by defenseman. Darnell Nurse had eight. He had four shots, one blocked, and three went wide. The most on the team because Bouchard can get it off quick and he can get it towards the net, and he got an assist yesterday. Jesse Pugliarvi tipped in that shot for a second goal tonight. So I'd have Bouchard in Saturday. I think the Oilers are heavily leaning that way. We'll just have to see what else they do with the guys on that back end. Happy to hear from you at 780-496-0063. Back after the break, Inside Sports on Chet. seen a lot of Jujar Kara this season. Gaetan Haas in a depth center role the last couple of games looked pretty good as the Oilers bumped their record up to 6-6. Six and six. Early goal for Boston. Game's not even two and a half minutes old. In fact, the only shot on goal in the game, the Bruins leading the Flyers 1-0 early. 780-496-0063. Talking a little bit about Evan Bouchard and what you might do with the Oilers defense on Saturday. Mike has decided to give me a ring. Mike, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead. I uh, heard a rumor today that uh, Oscar Clefbaum might be out longer and a career ending. I heard that he hasn't even had his surgery yet. He has not had his surgery. Uh, he is probably going to have surgery soon. I, I Yeah, and I think about the potential of this being career ending, Mike. We could we got that sense when Clefbaum did a media availability about a month ago. Uh, I mean, he was very clear that this is something that is causing him a lot of pain and is affecting him away from the rink. 
and he was really mulling over surgery, whether or not to do it. And he actually used the term shoulder replacement a couple of times. I don't know if you remember any of those clips, Mike, but no, uh, I don't remember he, them. Yeah. And he has to come, he has to come to Cleveland to get it done. And right now he's not traveling, right? He's not traveling from Sweden to the United States. So yeah. I know Ken Holland talked about that today. He did a, a hockey Canada uh, zoom conference because he got named the assistant judge associate GM for the upcoming Olympics. Yeah. So that's, yeah, it, it, it is, it is possible, Mike, that Oscar Clefbaum does not play again. It unfortunately is possible. Is it for sure? No, but also the longer he puts off this surgery, you got to remember then the, the less likely he's available for the middle of September when the next training camp is supposed to begin, assuming the NHL right. can get back on track. So no, it's it's a it's a tough situation. Now look, Mike, I want to be careful here. I don't want you to say everybody I called inside sports and Reed said that Oscar's career is done, but because that's not what I'm saying. But it's it's possible. It's possible he might not have to retire. It's possible he might have to retire or just might not be able to play. Basically, he's got to wait until he gets the surgery done and see how he feels afterwards. I would think so. And then again, if he needs a shoulder replacement, I mean, does that sound like something that allows a guy to play? NHL hockey I'm not sure it does not really but like you know yourself like when they do it for a surgery don't know how bad it's going to be until they actually get in there and see yeah fair enough so there so the yeah it, I, I don't know exactly if, if that's the only option or something they're thinking of doing but yeah it's 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 not a good situation and he was very um it was interesting seeing him that day because he did it on zoom so we saw a video of him like you could tell this is that it's weighing on him. This is not like, oh yeah, I, I got to get surgery and heal for a couple months. You know, he's he's in pain. He's in pain, and I think he knows this is potentially a pivotal decision in his life and, and his hockey career. So yeah, that's what I can tell you. So with that in, in, entail, uh, what happened to to his pay? Like, because now he's on uh, long term disability. Does does he still get paid from the Oilers, or how does that work? Yes, the contracts are guaranteed, so they get paid. Injured players get paid. Does that affect the cap, though? No. Once you're here's the thing: once you're on long-term injured reserve, that that's why a team would put a player on long-term injured reserve so they get some cap relief, and that's why teams don't put a player on long-term injured reserve until they're right up against the cap. Like if if like Mike, if I'm if you're my general manager. And yeah. I get injured, but you're but you're twenty million dollars under the cap. Why put me on LTIR? It doesn't do you any good, right? But if you're right up against the cap, then you get some relief on the portion of my salary that would take you over the cap. Does that make sense? Okay. Yep. Now uh, another question: If he ends up saying, "Okay, he retires and everything else," he can't come back and play. Does he? He still gets paid too, also too, doesn't he? Uh, I believe if he actually officially retired, then he would forfeit the rest of his salary, but he could stay on long-term injured reserve for the rest of his salary. Like, I think, remember that last year, Andrew Ference just didn't play, but I yep. think he was on LTIR and would have got paid. Yeah. So, okay, so then if he retires, then it comes off, and then he loses all the money, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'll have to double-check how it's exactly worded, but I'm pretty sure if you say I'm retired and I'm not an eligible player, then the contract just because just you basically are walking away from your contract. Yeah, so there's two ways you can actually talk to the Oilers and say, hey, I can stay on IRF uh, long-term, long-term, 
and just keep my salary there or you guys can pay me out and pay me out the salaries, one or the other, right? And then he could say he could retire. Well, I think if he retired, I don't I don't think he would get paid out. I think you you just retire, right? Like yeah. Like if I had, like if you had a, if you had a four-year contract to work for me, and after two years you just said, "Well, I'm going to quit," I, I wouldn't pay you for the other two years, right? Okay, I got you now. Okay. Yeah. I mean, unless you're a really good guy, I, like you, you and me, Mike, I might pay you that money. In the NHL, I don't know if they would pay you that money. <laughs> yeah. Sound fair? Sounds fair. Thanks, buddy. Okay, that is Mike seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Yeah, it's 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 tough with Clefbaum. Like I said, you you could tell he's uh, he's facing a, a pivotal and and difficult decision when he did that availability a few weeks ago. So hopefully he's going to be okay. Uh, speaking of Evan Bouchard, a guy that knew him very well, knows him very well. Jay Woodcroft coached him in, coached him in Bakersfield last year. We saw a lot of growth uh, in Bouch. Um, Basically, uh, you know, he, when he first was introduced to our team, uh, it was in our playoff run a couple of years ago, and and he kind of got airlifted in like in a day into the playoffs. So uh, we found a way to get him some ice time there, and he gradually gradually got more and more ice time as we worked our way deep into the second round of the playoffs. And uh, last year, I thought uh, coming uh, through training camp and then into into our season, we saw him take a big step, specifically in December and January of last year, uh, as he got used to the pace of the league, as he got used to what expectations were regarding practice habits, and uh, you know, just going up against men on a daily basis in practice and in games. And we saw, like I said, we saw him take a real step. We think um, he has certain qualities uh, that set him apart, that are really special. And we wanted to accentuate those while working on the areas of the game that we think uh, he needed a little bit of improvement on. He's a very earnest and coachable young man. And uh, we certainly saw a step last year. And I know that, you know, he invested himself by um, wanting to play hockey during the fall. He went over to uh, a friend of mine's team in Sweden, Michael Samuelson. And uh, he did very well over there. And, uh, you know, I watched the practices early in Edmonton's camp, and I thought he he showed uh, very well. All right. Yeah, he's coming along. I mean, I'm, I'm glad Evan Bouchard got into the lineup. And, and like I said, I, I would have... Uh... I would have paid him or I would have, I would have played him sooner. Just got a uh, text here from Tony, 7804960063. He says, hey, Reed, speaking of paying out contracts, when Andrew Luck retired, the Colts still paid him the next year. It was somewhere around $25 million. Tony adds that was purely up to the owner to still pay him for that, even though he uh, was a retired player. So a bit of a side note there from the National Football League. All right, we got to take a time out for the 630 News and Weather. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. He joins us every week on the show. He will talk about first NHL victories. He'll talk about trying to stop Connor McDavid when he blazes in on you. Former NHL goaltender, current broadcaster, Kelly Rudy, coming up.
Just a, a little more. We had Mike calling in asking about Oscar Clefbaum, and then we he got asking about uh, about salary cap stuff and if if Clefbaum couldn't play. So let th- this is just totally an example. But let's let's say Oscar Clefbaum this summer said, "I I just can cannot play hockey. It's it's not going to happen. I'm not coming back." It is in that situation. It is unlikely he would actually formally retire. Because if a player retires with time left on his contract, the team he plays for gets what's called a cap recapture penalty. And I was just reviewing some of this because Frank Cervelli on tsn.ca wrote about it in the summer. And the rule was changed with the new CBA that was renegotiated. So basically, if, uh, if a player retires while he's still under contract, you get a salary cap penalty. So the, the example that Cervelli wrote about was Shea Weber with the Montreal Canadiens, who's under contract until the summer of 2026. So if he retired uh, prior to that, the amount of the penalty would be a cap hit of $7.86 million in any one season. And the cap benefit would have to be paid back. Okay, so if, if Clefbaum couldn't play, I, I I don't think he would retire. I think that they would say, okay, well, you're on long-term re-injured reserve. You can still get the money. Uh, if we're up against the cap, that gives us a little bit of cap relief uh, from being on long-term injured reserve. And then, and then you go from there. So that so that's why a lot of times a player is out is isn't playing and you know he's not coming back but you you might go on cap friendly or puckpedia or some of these pages and see oh that's interesting he's still getting paid yes he is still getting paid because he went on long-term injured reserve rather than actually retiring and i believe um that was the situation yes that was the situation with kyle brodziak last year so you remember kyle brodziak came back to the Oilers, played 70 games in 1819. He was under contract last year for $1.15 million. And then he announced his retirement prior to this season. So he just stayed on long-term injured reserve for all of last season, even though he, he, they, everybody knew he wasn't coming back. Okay. So that hopefully that makes sense. Sometimes the cap stuff, I know there's a lot of numbers. I always got to double check a lot of things myself. So if worst case scenario, Oscar Clefbaum couldn't play hockey again, we might all know that, but he very unlikely he would formally retire. He would still get paid for a couple of years. The Oilers would keep him on long-term injured reserve. So if they needed a little bit of cap relief, they would be able to get it. So that's the nuts and bolts of how that works. Hopefully that more or less makes sense. I think I got it. 5-1, the Lightning beat the Red Wings, and the Bruins lead the Flyers 1-0 with seven minutes left in the first. David Pasternak, the only goal of that game, his third of the season, came 12 seconds into the first period. He joins us every week, powered by Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian, store Canadian. Try four weeks free. Visit sentinelstorage.ca. Former goaltender, now broadcaster, Kelly Rudy. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Reed and yourself? I'm doing very well. It is good to talk to you again as we're rolling through the season here. Now 12 games in for the Oilers, who are even up at 6-6. Six and six. And a nice storyline for them on Sunday night. They turn to Stuart Skinner in net, the Edmonton native. First NHL game, got his first NHL victory. Pretty nice moment. 
It sure is. Uh, I think every goalie remembers their their first win and their first start. My uh, first win was actually quite unusual, Reed. Uh, we were playing in Landover, uh, Maryland. Um, Roly Melanson was the starter. He got yanked after two periods. I believe we're down something like five to two or something. We ended up uh, roaring back and tying the game at 5-5. And then late in the third period, Bob Bourne on a back check accidentally deflected the puck in behind me. So the Capitals went up 6-5 late in the game, but uh, we scored to tie it up. And then we won it. Uh, and I think it might have been Bob Bourne that won it in overtime. So he got the redemption that he was looking for. And so I got the victory, only played 20-some minutes. Uh, and, you know, hey, listen, a win is win, right? You, you love it and you're super excited about it. But it didn't have the same feeling, Reed, as my first start and my first win. So my next start might have been, or first start would have been a couple of weeks later. We're in Buffalo. We're playing in the historic Buffalo Auditorium, also known or better known as The Odd. And uh, just an incredible experience. It's a, it's a smaller rink than the regular. Uh, not as small as Boston Garden, but still smaller ice sheet. And uh, we're playing a really good team. Gilbert Perot, Hall of Famer, was in that lineup. And we won 3-2. to two, And uh, we're up 3-2 to two with about three minutes to go. And Gilbert Perot comes roaring down uh, to the right of me, down the wing, and fires a slap shot that I made a left pad save. Man, a jolt of energy just went through me like crazy because I, I stopped a future Hall of Famer and one of the players that I had grown up watching and, and admiring. And then afterwards, uh, again, back in 1983, no cell phone. So I, I hurried out after talking to the press, uh, how very little press I'm sure I would have had at that point. <laughs> uh, and uh, I raced out to find a cell phone and called my mom and dad in Edmonton and uh chatted for a couple of minutes before I had to rush out and catch the bus. But it was a, a, a real memorable night for me. Of course, I'll never forget that. Just the, the thought of uh, starting my first ever game and, and winning that night. That was just I, so cool. I assume your mom and dad hadn't been able to see the game. Or did they have no. a satellite or something? No. no, they didn't. I was able to buy them a satellite years later. But at that point, making the money I was, well, I don't even know if they had the same sort of satellites back then. They had you'd to have to get the giant island. dish in your bag that takes up your entire backyard. It was huge. <laughs> they loved it, but man alive, it took up the entire backyard almost. <laughs> That's the good old cool. days. Thanks, thanks for sharing that memory. And we we had Stuart uh, on overtime open line. Uh, he called into Rob and me after the game, and he he nice. was pretty happy. So a nice I moment guess. for him, right? Because he's. I mean, really, he's fourth or fifth on the Oilers' goalie depth chart. So, you know, he may not get another game till the next year or two if he keeps working his way up the system. So that was a nice moment for him. It was Absolutely. a pretty, it was and a that's pretty entertaining. What you have to do. Reed, you have to stay patient in that situation. Like, there's no shame for him, for uh, Skinner to make his way through the minors and find your way. And then ultimately, you hope that you make the pros. I, I think. When I went to the Islanders, Reed, I was, I believe, sixth on the depth chart. And uh, there were some great goalies in front of me. Billy Smith, Chico Resch, uh, Richard Brodeur was still in the organization, Roly Melanson, Jim Park. Uh, I want to say uh, there was one other guy, uh, maybe my second year, then they brought in uh, uh, Rob Holland. He had been a guy that played in Pittsburgh. So I was well down the depth chart. And 
ultimately after what about four years in the organization, I was able to make my debut, but you know, there's, there's no rushing if you're not ready. And I think you have to be patient. Yeah. It was a pretty fun weekend. I mean, that 8-5 game, wild game, six assists for Leon. It was 5-1, you know, 14 minutes into the game. And Saturday's game against the Leafs, I've been saying, I think it's one of the best games played at Rogers Place in the young history of that building. And McDavid scored that awesome goal. Right. And I, I, I watched some Leafs post game, and uh, Freddie Anderson, as the goaltender said, I, I should have taken away more ice. Yeah. And that struck me as something like, okay, I, I think I know what he means, but I wonder exactly what he's thinking and how much time you really have to react when a guy places in on you at that much speed. Yeah, so the dilemma would be, and I watched it a few times this afternoon, is that because of the speed of McDavid, how much are you willing to challenge if you're the goaltender? And, and you know, you have to find a way to sort of gauge uh, if you want to come out a little bit more and take away some of that ice or risk with the speed that McDavid has it, you won't be able to back up in time and, and he can just sneak the puck around you that way. So that's a really delicate one. And, you know, when I look at it, it's, it's quite easy to say, yeah, I think Freddie Anderson, if he would have propelled himself out just a little bit further and closer to the puck, not McDavid's body, that potentially he would have had a chance to take away the shot of McDavid. But that's all when you look at it afterwards, right? Because I'm, I'm watching the actual play. Uh, well, actually, I wasn't. I was because uh, we had two games going on and uh, I had both games in my monitors. And my producer in Toronto says, Kelly, did you see that McDavid goal? You've got to see it. So I quickly rewind that game and I watch it. And at first blush, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's one of the nicest goals. And you say that often about McDavid, but, and, uh, and I'm thinking, well, maybe Freddie Anderson, if he would have gone more directly to the puck, he would have, well, it would have been more difficult for McDavid to elevate that up and over. But again, that's all looking at it, uh, you know, after two, three, four, five times. I, I just think that McDavid, you know, and when you, when you get a smirk out of McDavid, you know it's a pretty special goal, right? <laughs> like, yeah. he's on such a regular basis, oftentimes you don't get much of a reaction, but that one was just special. And, and against the Leafs, it, it kind of reminded you of that special goal that he, uh, when he walked around Morgan Riley last year and another incredible goal, just... That guy just never gets old, right? Yeah. Well, and he said in the preseason, he he says, I still got to find more ways to score. And, and I mean, I think on yeah. a play like that, because there was a game against Vancouver earlier in the season where he looked like he was going to blaze around the defenseman and yes. just pulled it into the slot and fired it. I know that one, maybe he was a little more off center, but surely Anderson has seen that goal and he's seen him get to that point on the ice and and pass it so i mean he's he literally could do at least three things from the yeah. position that he was in and and that goal you're talking about vancouver that was on a really good defenseman and alex edler too and so uh, at that point uh yeah he I, I read those comments about how he has to find more ways to get scoring chances but uh you know that was a really cool one because he's going almost top speed and edler knows it so now edler doesn't want to start to cross over you try and hesitate to do that because the very instant that you start that motion, uh, then he's going to go cut back against you. Uh, but 
there's no stopping that guy. Seriously. He's just so good. So incredibly different, I think, than most other top players. Now, I will say this. I'm also having a ton of fun watching Austin Matthews play and his development and growth. And, and we've shown it the last uh, about year now on hockey night, how he is so prepared to play defensive hockey now uh, more than ever. And uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Austin Matthews in person, Reed. He's a big man, like his lower body. He is a strong, strong man. Kind of reminds me, but he's a bigger man than uh, Paul Coffey. First time I saw Paul Coffey in person, I was blown away by how big his lower body was. His thighs are huge, and, and it makes sense, right? So if you have thighs like that, you can skate like the wind, and uh, Matthews is there. Uh, you know, it's just so cool to watch the development of these young players. Kelly Rudy joining us tonight on Inside Sports, joins us every week on the show. Evan Bouchard played last night for the Oilers, his eighth NHL game, his first of the season. Looked pretty good, played almost 17 minutes, had an assist, got four shots on goal. I look at him, that's what the Oilers need. Guy who can pass, guy who can shoot off that back end. That's such an important yeah. part of the game. Um, you know, I think there was some hesitancy to, to put him in just because he is a younger, inexperienced defenseman. I, I wonder, as a goaltender, when you saw, oh, great, they're giving the 21-year-old defenseman a chance. I'm going to get 80 <laughs> shots on goal. Or would, you, or would you just think, okay, he's probably earned it. I've practiced with him. I wonder what, what you thought when a younger defenseman went into the lineup for the first time. First of all, you're super excited for the young players to get an opportunity. And, and you trust the organization that they know what they're doing and the person has earned it and they're not getting gifted this opportunity. Um, and so for Bouchard, the number one thing for me when I look back, when I had young defensemen, uh, two things really stood out to me. I've got to trust them. So they have to sort of earn that trust. And by... Trust, I'm saying, backdoor plays are mainly the way in which you can earn your trust. So if I'm set and I'm locked into the shooter and I know that is my responsibility, it's his responsibi responsibility to take away the, the pass option. And oftentimes that's a backdoor play. And so it's very important that they sort of earn your trust that way it doesn't have to be anything special offensively they've just got to take away the the simple option uh, i've got a story there for you when i my I, jeepers i think it was like my 13th year in the league and the day before training camp uh i blew up my ankle and so i was out a full two months i missed training camp and a full month and a little bit and the organization thought i should go down to phoenix that's where our uh, minor league team uh, was and try my ankle. They didn't want me to try it the National League level. And, I, you know, I was kind of hesitant. I was told by some of my friends I shouldn't go because, you know, it's a different game in the minors, especially for a goalie. And I found that out. I think I was lit up for something like five goals in 40 minutes, Reed. And with all due respect to those guys, because they're just trying to find their way, right, and, and learn their craft, I just found out that I, I couldn't focus on the shooter fully because i was getting eaten alive back door and and so that's what you really worry about um and so the mind is a different to for a goal and mindset is different between the nhl and the minors and you've got to sort of sort that out and then secondly it's where when you go behind the net and you set up the 
talk for the the guy you are and you've got to sort of learn what his preferences are and i can give you two stories with two former edmonton oiler defensemen paul coffee liked the puck uh on his backhand behind the net and so and he wanted about four or five inches off the boards and charlie huddy liked it on the forehand about the same distance uh and so you sort of learn those little tendencies but those basically for those two guys the pucks in the same area they one guy just takes on the back end the other on the forehand whereas a guy like rob blake liked it as pretty much as close to the net as possible because he liked to come in on the forehand and so you have to learn all those simple little things to so the fans they might not think well the goalie's just going back behind the net stop the puck and he doesn't care where he puts it but if that now having said all this it's if you have time right then you right. go and you get, you get a good look who's coming back for the puck and then you have the ability to, to help out your partner but uh, and or if you just scoop it off to the side uh four or five feet away from that so all those little simple things and the goalies will have to learn that and the the defensemen will have to also share that with you you, you can't be timid and not have that communication with Koskinen or whomever's going to be in the net you've got to make sure that you share your likes and dislikes with the goalie I did not know it was that precise that's for that's pretty cool that is very cool Kelly what do you got uh what is it Flames Jets again tomorrow yes I do uh six o'clock start here and then uh Saturday night we have uh, Battle of Alberta is our late game in Vancouver and Toronto is our early game so it should be a good day of hockey it'll be awesome Kelly always great to have you on the show man enjoy the rest of the week and we'll talk to you next week you got it my pleasure Reed take care that is Kelly Rudy, powered by Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian, store Canadian. Try four weeks free. Visit sentinelstorage.ca. Inside Sports on Chet. Oilers have won three straight, 4-2 win over the Senators last night. Yessi Pugliarvi scored twice. GM Ken Holland was on with Stauffer earlier today. Well, you know, I think, you know, right from day one of training camp, and I, and I guess going back to when we had some Zoom calls, uh, you know, Tip and I with uh, with Jesse and his Marcus Lato, his agent, um, you know, a couple this summer, and uh, and we talked about where, where we, we saw him fitting in we thought that uh, he was you know could fit into our top nine um you know right from day one at training camp tip put him on a line that uh, we were hoping was going to be uh, you know in, uh, in our top nine and uh, you know he's played regular tip has got him out there and you know he, he i i didn't see him a lot in the past because you know in his draft class he was we he was high up high up there and I, so, you know, what I've seen from day one is I've seen it from day one at training camp. I see a guy that's going in straight lines. You know, he's playing North of me. He's playing NHL hockey. He's, he's, he's getting into the forecheck. He's uh, competing. He's getting to the front of the net. Um, you know, he's, he's getting the, the puck uh, uh, to his line mates to, 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 to get the puck down the ice. Um, he's retrieving pucks. And then last night, obviously, a great, uh, real nice play on a one-on-one -on -one play with Coburn, followed up his rebound, a nice play in tight, and a nice shot by uh, by Bouchard. He's going through the slot and tipped it. And, you know, if you want to score in the NHL, you got to be able to score in different uh, in different ways. So uh, I'm happy for him. You know, he's played really, he's played really well. Uh, he's he's uh, he's come in and 
you know, he's, he's, he's done everything we've asked of him, and, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to see him get rewarded with a couple of, of goals last night. I'm sure that will be really good for his confidence going forward. Pulley Harvey doing some good stuff. That first goal, good one-on-one move, went to the net, got his rebound, finished, and then a deflection of the Evan Bouchard shot in the second period. Overall, I think Pugliari has been a positive for the Oilers. Does he still have some tough moments? Yes. Does he still appear maybe a little nervous or uncertain at times? Yes, but not all the time. And good for him to get a couple of goals. Uh, The Oilers are going to need him because they're still looking for a little more depth scoring up there. You haven't seen much from the bottom six really this season. We were talking on overtime, overtime, uh, overtime open line last night about how Kyle Turris has struggled and kind of got passed by Gaetan Haas in the lineup last night. Gaetan Haas, by the way, put the puck in the net with no time on the clock last night while there was a scrum that had broken out in front of the Senators bench. I was, this is Rob Brown and I were talking after the game. He hadn't even seen the goal or was aware that the puck did get shot into the net. I heard Cam call it and then watch the replay, but they showed it with the, uh, the time overlay and the puck did cross the line after it went to zeros. So the Oilers, uh, nothing for them today. Expected to practice tomorrow and Friday. They play at Calgary on Saturday. First battle of Alberta this season. It's on 6.30, Chad. The face-off show will be at 6.30, and the puck will drop at 8. Okay, double-E football team bringing in one of the top defensive linemen in the CFL over the past decade or so. Sean Lemon has joined the team, but will he still have moves at the age of 32? Plus, we'll go to Tampa, the Super Bowl city. Pat Donovan, sports radio host with WDAE. What's the vibe there for the Super Bowl? The home team is in it for the first time ever, but the fans can't go. (laughs) And a lot of the Super Bowl festivities aren't happening because of the pandemic. Pat will paint the picture all the next hour of Inside Sports. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.